What a faithful God we serve. As we sang, Lord, we all agree that great are you, Lord. Your loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness to us. Even when we're unfaithful to you, you're faithful to us. We love you for that, Lord. We love you because you're God and there is no other. We love you because we were lost in our, in our, in, in our sin. We have been redeemed by your blood. And we've been taken out of the pit. And now we enter into the kingdom of heaven when we're all out of this place. And as your kingdom is on this earth today, Lord, we're part of it. And we want to usher many people into the kingdom today, not just this little church, but all churches, Lord. That's what we're looking for, disciples, not just believers, but disciples who will go out and make more disciples so that so that, that last one can, be, can hear and that last one can be saved. And then hopefully that trumpet will sound the voice of the archangel will be heard and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet you in the air and thus will ever be with you. Blessed be your holy name. Great are you, Lord. We were lost and you found us. We were that one lost sheep out of the, nine, out of the hundred, one lost sheep and you came and got us up out of the miry pit and set our feet upon a solid rock Oh, God, how great you are. Our very next breath comes from you. Many believers don't even know that. They don't even think about it. But, Lord, I'm here to tell you, I know that our breath comes from you. And as soon as that oxygen runs out from you, we're going to be in your presence with you forever. We're going to see you face to face. And we're going to bow at your feet. And we're going to throw our crowns, if we want any, at your feet because you're the one that deserves them. Last week we heard... Why? Because of your precious blood that was shed for us. And we have not stampled, stamped it under our feet. We embraced it and let it bring forgiveness and healing and, and salvation to us. To you be the glory, Lord God. You are great and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen and amen. God bless the church. You may be seated. For those out there online that just tuned in, I know that you tune in right now. You're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, and we're glad you're here. And we just said our prayer, so, so praise the Lord. Hey, for the, those of you that might be local watching us, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, 33462. We're just, uh, if you're on 95, we're a quarter mile west on High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road. Hopefully you can't miss us. And, um, and we we'll, would love to have you for worship um, and to, for praise and for fellowship. So, and we, and, um, we want to introduce you to our Savior if you don't know of him. Listen, we stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. For those of you who are online, you know, we stream every Sunday at 10 a.m., um, freedomchurchpb.org is our website freedomchurchpb stands for palmbeach.org you can tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. and watch us live you can also tune in on Thursday nights and watch us live at 7 15 
And uh, for those of you that are local, we have a men's Bible study. starts at 9 o'clock every Saturday morning. And we have a great group of guys. Several guys, several different churches are represented. Even a pastor from another church, you know, is, is part of us. Uh, plus, we have our own people that are ordained as pastors. So, so praise the Lord. We, it's a good time. Anyway, come on out if you're local. For, for those of you that go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can find out all about us. You can read our beliefs. You can find out our address. You can, we can see our list of ministries in the menu button. You can also watch past services from the years past. And you can even give online should you, should you uh, want to, if, if the Lord leads you. For those of you here, we never take an offering. There's boxes in the back. We know that unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. So he's going to build it spiritually, financially, and physically. So we're, we're, we're uh, good at that. You know, he's been faithful to us for about 10 years now. We've been here eight years come August. So praise the Lord for that. So come and join us if you're local at 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida. We're glad to, we'll be glad to uh, see you. We're a friendly church, a full gospel, Bible preaching, non-denominational. We believe in one thing. Jesus Christ came, he died, he's buried, and he is risen the third day according to the scripture. And he's alive and well, and he's here today. If you haven't felt him in the worship, uh, you might be insensitive. So, anyway, um, listen, we have a special speaker today. I'm going to invite... Uh, missionary and pastor Brett Hennis up here. He's going to be teaching today. He's part of this congregation. So um, we're going to have him teach. And uh, I would like to pray for him real quick. And then we're going to call some other people up here for a minute. I'm going to pray over Brett so that, uh, you know, that uh, we can hear exactly what the Lord has been telling him to preach to you. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to lift Brett up to you, Lord. That as he preaches this morning, Lord, the people will hear your words as the Holy Spirit drives them into our hearts, I pray. And not only we have it in our hearts, but we will obey it and apply it in our life so that we can become the men and women that you want us to be. So give him a special anointing from the Holy Spirit, Father God, to, to touch the world through the Internet, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Also, I'd like to, all, all you that are here, I'd like to invite up all of our deacons. There's three of them out here. So come on up. Yes, Harry, you're going to always be a deacon. <laughs> we love you too much. <laughs> you want to preach next week? No, I'm leaving it. <laughs> Um, Brian, this is this is Harry Baratari. He's been saved longer than me, 46, 47 years probably, right, Harry? And this is Brian Dixon. He's one of our, our deacons also, and, and Theron Woods over in the end. But I brought them up here not only so that you can find out who they are. We have our chaplain here, Jim Houchins, Lord, and I want to, I, and I want to bring him up. He is... Uh, he has an RV travel ministry, and he every year he leaves like in uh, April, and he comes back in October, and he travels this whole country. Uh, two years ago, I think he, he was in Alaska. I'm there like, who's in Alaska, you know? <laughs> but but uh, we're going to have, you know, we're going to pray over Jim because he's leaving tomorrow. And this is not, you know, this is not like a fun trip. He, and he, I guess it, it is. Anything in the Lord is fun if you're a believer, but... 
You know, this guy goes on and preaches in churches. You know, he goes to different rallies. He, he does stop at his home state, um, Wisconsin, or is it Wisconsin or Indiana? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, he does stop there, and he freezes half the time in the winter. That happens. But he's going to be back probably around October. So we want to keep him in our prayers. And we want to send him off this morning. So I'm going to pray over him, and, you know, and, uh, and we're going to lay hands on him, too, because that's scriptural, you know. So let's see. We're going to with the we got to get in a place where we can all surround him and, and pray over Jim, okay? Okay, Father, we're coming to you in Jesus' name, Lord. This man, Jim, Lord, Jim Hutchins, he has a ministry that you've led him into. That's a powerful ministry where people get saved as he travels the country, doing something that some people have never thought of. And Lord, you have your believers in all places at all times to for any given time so that there can be a a uh, divine appointment made for many people. So, Lord, as, as Jim takes off, Lord, we pray that you make many divine appointments for him, Lord God. People traveling that uh, see the, the ministry and uh, just bless it, and people that say, hey, I should have made that decision in church last week. I'm making it now. And as he goes and teaches in different churches and, and as he speaks to people around the country, we pray, Lord God, that you would open their eyes open their ears, and open their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jim preaches to them. So, Lord, we send him out with the blessings of, of you upon him, Lord, with power and authority, and we send him out just as you sent out the, the 11 disciples, Lord. We're sending our one out right now. And also, while we're here, we remember Brent, uh, Matt in Brazil, Lord, who's teaching other people how the English language so that they can go out and win people over that are English speaking. So Lord, we, we just thank you for the opportunity. And everywhere that Brett goes in his ministries, Lord, we at Freedom Church are blessed to have such men of um, commitment and service to you. So anoint every step that they make, every, every plan they make, everything they touch, Lord God. May people see and know that this is a man of God. Father God, we bind back the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that's coming in attack, uh, Jim or Brad or Matt or, or anyone, Lord. Um, Lord, we, we also ask that, uh, that you use them powerfully. And Father, keep uh, Jim as he travels, Lord. Keep that vehicle working properly, Lord. Guard him from dangers seen and unseen and place your angels guard over him and guard him in all of his ways. And to you be the glory for it all. May you be glorified as, as not only through Jim, but everyone here today. And may we hear your word loud and clear and apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you guys doing this morning? I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Good to see you guys. Good to be back. And, and uh, I just got a quick personal, sometimes the Lord just speaks corporately, but I just felt like a quick personal word for Brother Jim. And 
you know as you guys know most of you guys know me i'm a missionary i'm i love evangelizing and going out uh you know and the church is called to do that we're called to to gather but we're also called to scatter amen we're called to go out and preach the gospel and uh brother jim as we were praying for you i just saw this um almost like a vision of just just a picture in my mind of how you know remember the ark of the covenant the men used to carry it but really it was the presence of god carrying that thing because you had two cherubim on the top of the ark there was these two cherubim if you guys ever seen like a replica of the ark and those cherubim are two of god's mightiest you know of angels and i just saw like two angels carrying that whatever you drive down the you know across the country just going kind of with you almost carrying it and uh the presence of god is going to go with you mightily and you know there's things that happen in the spirit that we can't do amen that only through prayer only through fasting only through the lord sending angels or messengers right there's things that you can't do in your own strength that only god can do so we've seen that you know many of times on on the mission field whether local here in america or abroad but I just wanted to bless you, man, that the Lord is going with you, and He's going to do mighty things, you know, and just be led by the Spirit. There's so many divine appointments, guys, every day, really, if we are open to it. Um, Harry, good to see you, brother Harry. I just want to honor you. I thank God for what, you know, He's doing in your family. We all know, you know, the the loss recently, and we just want to thank you for being with us one more time. I heard you are leaving next week, and... uh yeah, my heart just goes out with you. We love you, Harry. And all that you've done for the Lord will be remembered in his kingdom. We're going to see the great re- rewards you're going to receive. And you'll probably beat me there, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, just uh, know that uh, I look forward to see you, brother, whether I see you again on this side or when we get to the other side. Amen. Amen. But I just love Harry. I've known Harry for how long? Oh, man, at least a decade, right? Long time. For you, that maybe not as long, but for me, that's half my life almost. You know, so, you know, that that's a long time for me. But um, all right, so we'll get into the Word of God. I just want to share that from the heart. And um, again, it's good to be with you guys in in the house of the Lord together. Uh, it's an honor, as always, to share the Word of God with you. It's not going to be a um, spectacular teaching or some theological breakdown of the word of God, you know, uh, I'm just more of a proclaimer. I'm more of just a, you know, a trumpet in the Lord's hand. I'm just here to kind of blast out the truth and let the chips fall where they may. But uh, this this day, I felt really maybe it will be a little more of like a teaching for you guys. I don't know. We'll see how it comes out. But um, I want you guys to grab your Bible. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter four and Mark chapter one. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 17, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 1. I'll give you a minute to turn there as you're turning there, and we'll pray, of course, as we always do before we listen to the voice of God. But today I kind of entitle, I didn't know what, I'm not big on these titles, but I don't know how to even sometimes put a title on things, but I entitled this message, you know, Following the Call of God following the call of God on your life and I want to uh, just kind of prepare you as as you guys are still turning there to understand first of all every single Christian 
who in turn is really a disciple of Christ. We're all disciples of Christ, right? We're not called to just believe on the Lord. We're not called to just believe in Him for salvation. We're called to follow Him as Lord. And we're all His followers. We're all His disciples. A disciple simply means a student or a follower of a master or a teacher. And we're all His disciples. And every single disciple, it doesn't matter if you got saved at two or 200. We don't live that long anymore, but it doesn't matter how young or old you are is the point. We all have a calling and we all have a purpose and we all have a mission from God. You see that with all the disciples. Every single one of them had a gift, had a talent. Every one of us still have life in us and breath. And with that breath, we're called to serve the Lord in some way, in some shape, in some form. And, and God is so amazing. He's such an awesome creator. He's such a big God that he has a very big body, right? We're called the body of Christ on earth. And every one of us are, you know, in, in Corinthians, Paul kind of depicts Christ as the head and we're his body. But we have all each a part in, in, in his body. And we're all called to play that part. If one part suffers, the Bible says all the body suffers. If one part is injured, the whole body's hurting. You know that when you break your pinky finger even. I broke a couple fingers playing sports and I broke my nose in a fight and I broke my, you know, if one part of your body hurts, your whole body begins to send blood to that area, begins to, to try to heal that area and help that area. And the same thing is when all the parts in Ephesians 4 are functioning and are, you know, strengthened and are functioning fully together, we can do great things, amen? As it says, that's why the whole ministry of pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles was given so that the body of Christ can be strong, can be equipped, and can do the work of what? The Lord. The work of ministry, which is what? Fulfill our calling. Fulfill our service unto the Lord. So we all are part of this. We all help each other in our calling. We all have our own individual calling. But every one of our callings individually is a part of the corporate call of the body of Christ. Amen? There's no island unto himself. There's no one who's kind of doing his own thing like some rogue Christian. Ever since I've been a Christian, I've been undercovering. I've been a part of a church body. I don't care what I'm going through for... for actually next month I've been a Christian 20 years next month and I've never left the fellowship never left sometimes I'd be in, in I'd have meetings five six times a week most Christians go to church once a week and spend six other days doing God knows what some some seasons in my life I'd be in church six days a week and take maybe one day at home and do home church you know but the fellowship of the saints guys is what I'm talking about and the body of Christ, and how we all have a corporate calling that we're supposed to fulfill unto the Lord together, but we each have an individual call. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at how to obey the call of God. What's the cost of it? What does it look like? All these things. And, you know, we'll go as deep as we can go, and we'll take it from there. So we're in Matthew 4 and 17. And as we get into the word, I just want to remind you guys, you know, many people have a hard time hearing the voice of God or they don't understand how to hear clearly, you know, specifically, personally hear from God. Let me just tell you, open the word of the living God for the word of God's alive and active 
It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Every word in here is breathed from God. It's breathed from the Holy Spirit, and it's alive, guys. There's no better way. There's other ways you can hear from God, but there's no clearer way or better way than just opening the Bible. I like saying it like this. When you open the Bible, the mouth of God opens. Just open your ears to listen. When you close it, it closes. So you want to hear from God? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Let's open the Word together. Father, we just thank you. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. As we open your holy scriptures, God, your, your Word. This is your Word, God. You said heaven and earth will pass away, but your Word will never, Father. Not one jot or tittle, Father. Every part of it is breathed from your Holy Spirit, God. And as we come before you today we just want to hear lord we want to hear and do what your word says god we don't want to just hear in one ear and it go out the other we want your word to sink into our souls father to to manifest in our lives we want to become disciples and true followers because that was your command lord and so we just come before you as it says in romans 12 we look at the cross, God, this morning. We look at the blood. We remember the sacrifice you gave. We remember the time when we just came as we were, God. And you took us into your home. You took us into your house. You prepared a feast for us. And we were nothing but sinners, God. Rebels without a cause. But you brought us in and you welcomed us into your kingdom as sons and daughters. And so in light of that mercy that we've received, God, as it says in Romans 12, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to You, Father. So let us not be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but, Father, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, God. Renew us this morning. Refresh our memory. Renew our minds. Remind us of who we are in You, Christ, and who You are, Jesus the one who has all power and authority in heaven and on earth, and the one, the king, the true king who we're following. Lord, we ask you to speak to us that we would have ears to hear and hearts to obey and do your will, O oh God. You're Jesus. You said who it is that is your family, your true family. It's those who do the will of my Father. You said who is entering the kingdom. It's those who do the word and not hear it only. Lord, we thank you, we bless you, we welcome you in to just continue to move. Holy Spirit, come, have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew four seventeen, and from that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then, walking on, Jesus went by the sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers there, Simon, which we know is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Jesus, it says, said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, immediately circle that, underline that, put a note, a star next to that word. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two others, two other brothers, sorry, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, 
in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them, Jesus again, called to them, follow me. And immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. Let's stop there. Let's go to Mark's gospel. We're going to basically read the same, you know, same story, same scenario, just from a different perspective. We all know, uh, or we should know that, you know, Mark's gospel was actually Peter's account. So this is the, uh, really the gospel of Peter written by Mark. Peter basically, maybe as a fisherman, not so educated. We know from the scripture they weren't educated men. Uh, fishermen were those who pretty much failed in school. They were pretty much the outcasts. They're ones who didn't succeed in Hebrew school. They didn't become teachers of the law or scribes or Pharisees. Those were the positions like we put like doctor, lawyer, dentist. You know, we put those high in, in high regard. Uh, so fishermen were those who didn't succeed in life, basically. And they weren't given many options. They were sent out to fish. Yesterday, I went fishing with my family for the first time, me and my whole fit, my crew, me and my wife, two kids. We went fishing all day. We caught nothing. You can see I'm probably sunburned. I was out there five hours. I spent like 50 bucks, bait, tackle, everything, and caught nothing. I know their pain. You know, and they did that for a living. It wasn't the greatest job. It wasn't an easy job, and it was mo- mostly untrained, uneducated people that would take that job. We'll get to back to that point. But... Peter is actually really giving his own account now. This is Peter talking about when Jesus came and called Peter. So just keep that in mind, Mark's gospel. So Mark chapter 1, verse 16. And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers. I will make you become, sorry, fishers of men. And here it is again, I'm underlining it. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with his hired servants, interesting point, and they went after him, speaking of Jesus. So we see this story. It's very familiar uh, to most of us, especially if we've been believers a while. And I just want to build the scenario a little bit for you because we can kind of miss what's really happening here if we don't you know, dig into this. So... So you have Jesus Christ, we know the Savior of the world, and he's basically calling his first disciples. Now understand, this is right after, so when you read through the Gospels, this is right after his baptism, in which he was basically, I call it the inauguration of the Son of God, right? As a president, when we elect a new president, we have the inauguration day, right? Where they they, they lay their hand on the Bible, they're sworn into office, they're put into power, so to speak, and they're in, placed in their office. And they have all this authority to make decisions and to change things and laws and to make a huge mess or to do a lot of good, right? So Jesus is 30 years on earth. We know he's 30 years on earth. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the Messiah, but no one knows it. He's literally in secret on earth. 
for 30 years. Only really the father knows it. Maybe his mother Mary believed it. No one else really understood who Jesus was until his baptism. You guys understand that, right? And John the Baptist even knew the Messiah was coming right after him, but he didn't know it was even his own cousin until the Spirit of the living God came and the voice of the Father spoke, and it, and it was revealed to John. So, so Jesus was really in, for 30 years, it's so interesting, the Son of God was unknown and unrevealed to the world, even though he was living on the earth. He didn't do any miracles, he didn't start his ministry, but he was here, okay? It's an important point. Then he gets baptized, we see that in Matthew, you know, uh, chapters, in, in the early chapters of Matthew, and then he goes in, in Matthew 3, he gets baptized, and the Father speaks to him from heaven. So as he comes out the water, there's this loud voice from heaven, the Father, and it, it sounded like thunder to the rest of the people, but it's, the Father said to him, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The Father inaugurated the Son. The Father declared the Son. And that's a good word for all of us today. You know, if you have a calling or you want to serve the Lord, let the Father declare who you are. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to try to be something you're not. Just let the Father God bless you and promote you. Amen? And He's the one who declared who the Son of God was to the world. Then John the Baptist, you know, got the revelation. And we know the Holy Spirit came down on Christ and rested on Him in the form of a dove. He wasn't a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a dove. He's God. Amen? So we see the Trinity all working in the baptism of Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right after this, Jesus is led into the desert to get tempted by the devil. And we know the scenario. It's in Matthew chapter 4. You guys can read it for homework. But we're actually going through the Gospel of Matthew, so I won't go back into all that. But it's an interesting point how Jesus goes into this desert led by the Spirit. And this is really how he starts his ministry so jesus is inaugurated he's given a position he's given a his his office of the son of god on earth the messiah the savior his ministry begins and what does he do he goes in to overcome the devil first thing he does he doesn't go out and heal someone he doesn't go out and cast out you know a demon or preach to any people or a crowd he literally goes out to go face to face with the devil and overcome him Guess what? On our behalf. A lot of Christians want to go face to face with the devil. Now look guys, we have authority in Christ. We've been given power and authority to trample serpents, scorpions, all these things. But let me explain something to you. Jesus overcame sin for you. Jesus overcame the devil for you. Don't go trying to box with the devil. And don't go trying to face temptation. The Bible says flee from it, right? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. We're not Jesus, guys. He overcame. It, it, the, the whole 40 days in the desert was really a picture of the 40 years in the wilderness. The 40 years when Israel should have followed God faithfully and failed. They should have believed in the God who opened an ocean before them and a wall of water on this side, a wall of water on that side. He delivered them from this great Pharaoh, this king of the world, really. They saw miracle after miracle, manna coming from heaven every day, which was bread, water coming out of rocks. Their shoes didn't wear out. They had literally a pillar of fire that followed them in the night and a cloud over their heads in the day. 
I mean, they saw the most miraculous things, guys. And it says they didn't believe. And where they failed, God, Jesus prevailed. You see, where, where they gave in to temptation, Jesus overcame temptation. Where they should have walked into the promises and conquered the land, but didn't, Jesus did it for us. You see, so he was doing something that only he could do. He was fulfilling as a man. He was overcoming as a man. He was defeating the devil as a man. Because the first Adam failed, which represents all of us. But the second Adam, Jesus, amen? The first Adam brought death to all of us. But the second Adam brought life, hallelujah. Jesus Christ overcame death. He overcame sin. He overcame Satan. And that's how he starts his ministry, right? We see it fulfilled at the cross. But I just love it. And we kind of miss that. Now, now he is, in Matthew's gospel, understand, and I learned this from Pastor Joe years ago, Matthew's gospel is really depicting Jesus as Messiah King, right? Matthew's gospel, every prophecy in it is referring to the kingship, the lordship, or the Messiah Jesus. So he uses Isaiah's prophecies a lot, how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. And so Jesus is not just coming, guys. The picture you have to understand here. He's not just coming onto the scene as a savior. He's not just coming onto the scene. You know, in Matthew, he's the king. In Mark, he's the servant of God, right? In, in Luke, he's the son of man. And in, in John, he's the son of God. So you see this big picture of him if you read all four gospels. You see the servant of God. You see the Messiah king. You see the son of man, his humanity. And then you see the son of God, his deity. But in Matthew, we're focusing on his kingship, guys, his lordship. And in every kingdom, in every kingship, there's certain things. So number one, like when a king would come into a town or a place or a new country, he would send his messengers before him to declare that the king is on the way. I, I love preaching this, but really we have to get the picture the messengers, there would actually be people who would come and clear the road. Remember, they didn't have, you know, Escalades and Tahoes. They had chariots and horses, right? And so they would come onto these, and they didn't have pavement, you know, and smooth roads. They had rocks and dirt. So they would send people to go and clear the way, clear the road for the king. They'd remove the rocks. They'd remove the debris, branches. They'd make a clear path. What did John the Baptist preach? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then they would send in a messenger, a herald, someone who would come and say to the town, the king of this and this country is coming to visit you guys. Get ready. The king is coming. What did John the Baptist do? Get ready. Prepare your hearts. Repent. And this was the preparation for the kingdom of God. Repentance and turning from sin Tearing down idols, turning from sin, is the way we prepare ourselves for the kingdom of God. Now Jesus comes in verse 17 onto the scene, and he's preaching what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's interesting, right? When you read John, how John the Baptist preached, he would say things like, repent for the kingdom of God is coming, or it's near. When Jesus preached, he's basically saying, it's here. 
It's here. The kingdom of God is now with you. The kingdom of God is now on earth. The kingdom of God has now come to this earth. And we need to understand this because Jesus, so they would have messengers, they would have heralds, they would have people who would go before them. But kings also had servants. Kings also had subjects, right? People who would serve them. People who would follow them. People who would walk with them and do whatever was asked. And this is the picture of Jesus calling the disciples. You see, He's not just calling you to come as you are to be saved and go to heaven. He's not just calling you, even though that's true. He's not just calling you to come and receive a healing or a blessing. He's not just calling you to come and experience some cool thing in a church one day. He's calling you to be His servant, His follower. You see, Jesus Christ is the King of the kingdom. Do you understand? He's the King of heaven. He's the King of glory. He's the King of majesty. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the King above all kingdoms. He's the one who reigns. He's the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And He's coming to a town near you. Can you imagine being there? And He's coming to rule and reign. You see, what the kingdom of God is, and I won't go into this too much because of time, but people mistake the kingdom of heaven for heaven. That's not what the kingdom of God is. Then why would they be talking about it being on earth if the kingdom of God is just talking about heaven? You see, the kingdom of God is simply, when you break it down, the kingdom of God is really this. It's wherever Jesus Christ, the King, is ruling and reigning. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. So, so that's why the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is near you. The kingdom of heaven is in you. The kingdom of heaven is in heaven. Because it's wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning. That can be in a person's heart who's a rebel and a sinner. And then they turn from their sin and they surrender to Christ. Guess what? The kingdom of heaven is now in them. That can be in a home that's divided, a family that's fighting, a marriage that's breaking up. And then guess what? They get on their knees and they repent and they pray and they cry out to the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit just comes and restores the marriage. Or maybe a pastor or a counselor comes into the scene and they begin to cry out to God and realize they're selfish and they're sinners and they're arguing and fighting over peanuts and the kingdom of God's right before them, and then they repent, and the kingdom of God is now ruling in the home. You see? That's the kingdom of God. Peace. Shalom is restored. Joy. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not material. It's not physical. It's righteousness. It's joy. And it's peace in the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. You ever wonder when you go into those churches, you know, like a lot of the, the Pentecostal church in Brazil, you know, you'll walk into some churches and they're just full of joy. I mean, they're dirt poor. They got nothing, but they're full of joy and righteousness and peace. They're, it's because the kingdom of God is ruling there. It can come to a city. The kingdom of God can take a city. Look at Nineveh. The whole kingdom of Nineveh was just wretched, sinful, and then repentance. What did Jonah go in and preach? Repent or you'll be destroyed. 
And then from the king on down to the animals, they fasted. The king down, and they repented. And then the Lord restored peace to that city, right? And so Jesus is coming to these guys, and I I had to paint this picture because we'll miss it. He's coming to these guys as the king. The king, the Messiah. You see how it brings a different light? Now he walks by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, and they're fishing. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you, Mark says, you will become fishers of men. Before I I get into their response, which is really the key here we're getting to, um, understand who they are, who we are, and understand who Jesus is, right? You got the the king of heaven, I just painted that picture, and then you got fishermen, (laughs) two uneducated losers you guys get the picture they're nobodies they were just fishermen they're not like men of legend if they died as fishermen nobody would have remembered their names nobody would have cared about peter and andrew they would have been fishermen who caught fish and sold fish in a in a cheap poor marketplace you get it they were nobodies guys and before they become these great apostles, these great history, like these, these are like the pillars of the church. These are the men of legend. These are the guys who changed the world. They flipped the world upside down. They were nobodies. And the king of heaven comes to them and he said, follow me. Now I made that point because I see this so many times. In my own life I've seen it. And in Christians' lives, especially in America, the word of God and the calling will come to people. He'll say, come to me. Come as you are. Just like we sang in the song. Come all you who are heavy laden and burdened down. I used to go to Calvary, uh, Fort Lauderdale, and I used to love it when I was a young Christian. I'd drive. I was a part of a Calvary here with Pastor Joe and the guys, the smaller Calvaries, because I live up here. But on Saturday nights, I'd just drive in my car all the way down with my buddies. We were new baby Christians. We'd go down to hear the Word of God. And you know, the pulpit, right, every Saturday night and Sunday, they would just be flooded with souls, sinners just going to get saved. And I would just rejoice. Come as you are. Come as you are. All who are heavy laden and burdened down, I will give you rest, Jesus said. If you're weak, I'll give you strength. If you're sick, I'll heal you. If you're broken, I'll restore you. If you're lost, I'll save you. He just says, come, amen. It's the grace of God. It's amazing grace. But then, He doesn't want you to stay as you are. Amen? He loves you, but He loves you so much, He wants to change you. You see, that was the call to them. He said, come, yes, come as you are. Fishermen, nobodies, sinners. Remember what Peter said later on? When the the big fish catch was caught and Peter's like was shocked he started getting the revelation because he had fished all day and all night and caught nothing and then Jesus said just cast your net out one more time and then he caught this massive load they couldn't even pull the fish in the boat you guys know the scenario and then the revelation came to him this is the king of heaven this is no mere man this is no mere prophet this is the Lord 
And then he said, get away from me, Lord. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He said, no, Peter. Come and I'll change that. You see, he told them, come. You're just fishermen. But I'm going to make you something greater. I'm going to make you fishers of men. They probably didn't even know what he was talking about. What, what Before Jesus came on and said, what is a fisher of men? Who knew what that meant, right? He's revolutionary. He's coming with this whole different identity, this whole different calling. Nobody had the title, I'm a fisher of men. Nobody had that title before Jesus. They were probably confused. But they understood who he was, and they understood who they were. And I make that point because so many people get called by God. You see, many are called, but few are chosen. And how many people in the Bible do you see the same exact scenario happen to, yet they did not obey? Right? Many people. You got the young rich ruler who we don't even know his name. Guess what? Because he doesn't matter anymore. He became irrelevant. The moment he walked away from Jesus, his whole life became vanity. His whole purpose became irrelevant. Because he had all the riches. He had all the stuff. He had all his self figured out. He thought he was righteous. He thought he was a law keeper. He thought he was a good man. He had his bank account filled. He had his 401k ready to go. He had his children's children's uh, you know, college paid off. He thought he had it made. And he comes to Jesus. He says, no, no, no. You lack something. Sell everything you have. Give it all to the poor and come follow me. Same calling, right? And he went away sad. Because what he had, he thought was more important than the king and his kingdom. And I see this happen to so many people. And guys, look, God has a calling, a divine calling on every single one of your lives. Every single one of you in this room, every single one of you watching, every single person who's in his body and in his church. God has a calling for you. God Almighty has created you. God Almighty formed you in your mother's womb. And he said, you I've ordained as a prophet. You have called to be a pastor. You have called to be a fisher of men. You have called to be a deacon. You have called to be a missionary. You have called. You have called. He, God has created you and he made you. And he fashioned you for such a time as this. He's the potter and you're the clay. But don't think you figured it out, guys. Don't think your plan's better than his. Don't think. What you want to do with your life is greater than the kingdom of God and his calling for you because you'll miss it. You'll walk away sad and you'll miss it. And I see this happen so many times. I've almost done it in my own life. I've done it in my own life. And many, I remember crucial moments just to make this personal and we'll continue, but just to make it personal, I remember crucial moments in my life where God called me to do something that I had no, I, I never even thought or dreamt of doing it. Not in a million years. Went on a mission trip to Brazil. I've been on other mission trips before. Never went back to the country. <laughs> thought it was just another one of those. And I come home and God says, Genesis 12, 1 just lands on me. Brett, leave everything. And your father, me and my father owned a home together and your father's house, and your country, and move to Brazil, to this land that I'm giving you, and I will bless you. That's all he said. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, 
What? God, is that really you? Let me get five confirmations. Hold on. I'm going to fast and pray about that. And, you know, what do you do? You hesitate. You question the will of God, the plan of God. Let me make this clear. I did submit. It took some time. But had I not obeyed that calling of God on my life, I had no plan to be a missionary in Brazil. I'm not Brazilian. I don't know the language. I don't know the people there. I don't necessarily have some heart or care for them more than any other place. I had my own home. I had my own business. 20-something-year-old young man. I had it all going, I thought. I'm, I'm doing well. What, what am I going to do in Brazil? You know my, fa- my earthly father told me? Before I moved there, this was down the road about a year later. He said, you'll never survive in Brazil. You're crazy. Don't go there. So my own earthly father told me. Christian. But had I not obeyed the call of my heavenly father, guess what I would have missed? I would never have even met my wife, guys, in Brazil. My two little children wouldn't exist. I don't even know how to fathom that. My daughter who was born in Brazil wouldn't exist. You see, there's a reason they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. What's funny is, you know, when you study the scriptures, it says how they were kind of like tending their nets, almost like getting ready to go fishing. They were about to go fishing. They were fishermen. That's what they did. Maybe they were coming back and cleaning the nets. Maybe they were going out. I don't know the scenario. Pastor Joe may be better, but it seems to me like they might have been going fishing, mending their nets, getting stuff ready. But either way, either way, they had their own plan for that day, right? They had their own agenda. They had their own thing going on. And then here comes the king of heaven. Leave all that and come follow me. Now here's where it gets tricky because they rece- they, th- these men became the greatest men in history, right? Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. First of all, just praise God for that. But they've become the pillars in, in the church in heaven. Their names are like on the pillar foundations of heaven. They became the apostles, not the B-apostles. I like call it the A-team, you know. They became the A-team. They saw healings right after this. Read what happens. A great multitude comes, and they, Jesus heals everyone. Paralytics get up out of wheelchairs. Paralytics come off their mats and walk. Uh, epileptics get healed. Demons get casted out. Everyone afflicted with all kinds of diseases and torments are set free. What were they doing the day before? They were fishing for fish. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're, you're, you, imagine seeing what they saw. But it came with the cost. It came with the cost of obedience, surrender. They had to say, no, I'm no longer going to be a fisherman. I'm no longer going to tend my nets and do my thing and, and follow my plan. I'm going to become another servant. I'm going to serve the king and not myself. I'm going to f- serve his agenda and not my own. I'm going to follow him and leave this behind. 
You see, guys, salvation is a free gift. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen. The cross paid it all for you to be washed in the blood, for you to be cleansed completely, for you to be made blameless, for you to enter heaven, for you to go into eternity in total peace. Jesus paid all that. He, there's no cost for you for salvation. I'm not preaching works here. Be careful. He paid it all and his work was enough. But if you want to be a disciple, there's a cost. If you want to inherit certain promises in life, there's a cost. You want to have a good marriage, you can't sleep around with 10 other women, there's a cost, right? You got to say no to everything else and say yes to your wife. You got to say no to certain things and sacrifice to say yes to something else. And see, this is what Jesus as Lord looks like. We love him as Savior, and that's what he is. Amen? But he's also Lord. And if you don't surrender, you don't lay down, you don't obey. You know the old saying? Uh, I love it. Slow obedience is no obedience. A lot of us have a calling, and we're like waiting, like me, when God just spoke to me. The Word of God, that's all you need. The Holy Spirit will come, speak to you, just obey. <laughs> you don't need an angel from heaven to confirm. He's God. When they said, Jesus, where's your witness? Who are you and who, who, who can testify of you? He said, I'll tell you who's the witness, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Those are my witnesses, right? When the Word of God speaks to you guys and the Holy Spirit, you don't need some pastor to come and bless you and tell you what God is saying. You don't need, I'm not saying that covering is not important, guys, right? And your pastors and leaders should be able to hear from God and confirm. But what I'm saying is, you don't need your friend to come to you and tell you what God's saying after God's already spoken. I was listening to Will Graham. It just came to me. And um, it was interesting. He was on a whole nother path. He was like pastoring a church. He's actually, Will Graham is Billy Graham's grandson. He's the son of Franklin Graham, okay? And he's doing great crusades. He's actually leading like thousands. A lot of people don't know Will. Uh, he's not as dynamic as Billy, but he's an evangelist. And he's leading thousands of people to Jesus Christ. And he serves under Franklin Graham and the Billy Graham ministry. And I was listening to him. And uh, he was doing this study in the book of Samuel. And it, w it came to that point where, where uh, I believe it's First Samuel. It's just coming back to me. But David, uh, Saul was killed, right? First or second Samuel. Saul had been killed by the Amalekite, right? And the Amalekite had came and basically was telling David the story. And he was trying to tell David how, you know, I basically spared the guy. You know, he was in pain. He fell on his spear. He was uh, wounded. He was bleeding. And he was begging me, just kill me. Just end it now for me, you know. And he was telling David, I spared his life. I did a favor for him. And David had to go back and think through this thing. And he's like, something's wrong with this story, you know. <laughs> Something ain't clicking with this scenario. And, and then what's interesting is this, guys. Saul could have been a great king, but fell because of what we all know. Disobedience, right? He didn't obey the calling God put on his life. Now, who killed him? Very interesting story. An Amalekite. You know who God called Saul to slaughter? chapters before that 
the Amalekites. Wipe out the Amalekites, the Lord said. Don't leave any behind. Saul didn't obey the calling. And guess who killed him? The very thing he didn't do for the Lord. The very enemies that he didn't wipe out came back and killed him. David came back and said, wait a second. This story ain't lining up because I I could have killed Saul many of times and the spirit of the Lord did not let me touch God's anointed. How dare you boast that you killed the king. And then David killed the Amalekite or he sent his men. Same thing. Killed the Amalekite. Destroy him. Now, Will Graham said this thing. It was just it just hit me so hard. He said, why didn't David pray before he killed the Amalekite? You know how normally David would inquire of the Lord? doesn't even say he inquired of the Lord. He didn't even pray. You know why? You don't need to pray when God's already told you to do something. You don't need to pray when God's already told you what His will is. You don't need to wait for another dream, another confirmation, another revelation. Just obey. You see, there was no hesitance with these men. They left everything. I love James and John. I'm just going quickly to Mark. If you're still in Mark, verse 20 of chapter 1 so when he came to James and John they were with their father he also called them and it says they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they went after Jesus I just want to make one more point with this and we're coming close to the end but their calling was to leave their father. Not just so, so Peter and Andrew were just fishermen. They were kind of like nobodies, uneducated. They just had this fishing business. From what it seemed to me, you know, Peter and Andrew weren't doing too well with their business. It doesn't seem like they were ever catching anything, right? But James and John are kind of on the opposite end. They, historically, they had a very successful business. They were running business with their father. And he had servants, hired servants. And their business was going well. And the father's son, if you guys know scripture from Genesis you know, to, to Revelation, the father and son relationship is always the highest form of, of love and bond in the Bible, right? We know husband and wife you know, in the New Testament is very highly esteemed. But Father's son is really the highest form of love we see in all of Scripture. Abraham and Isaac, the prodigal son story, and the father. God the father and Christ the son. It's really the highest form of a relationship of love. And here it says they left their father and the successful business and the hired servants and the 401k and all their dreams and plans and everything in one moment. It was over. When they followed Jesus. You see the cost is high. To the calling. But it's worth it. You guys hear me? If the spirit of God has called you to do something. The cost of not following. Is far worse. Than the cost you're going to sacrifice for obeying. See what happened to Saul? His dreams didn't exactly get fulfilled either, right? And he didn't obey the Lord. And the very thing he was called to do destroyed him in the end. But you look at the disciples and all that they gave up and all that they laid down and surrendered. 
to the king. But look at what they gained, guys. They, lay, they left behind their earthly family. Guess what? They gained a hundred or a thousand more heavenly family members. They left their earthly treasures behind, their earthly you know, success behind. They gained eternal rewards for all of eternity. They left behind their friends and their servants and their, their crew. And guess what they gained? Everything, guys. Everything. You see, Jesus promised in Scripture, He said, no one who's left behind mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife, lands, houses, for my sake, He said, you will receive a hundredfold whatever you've left behind. And even more so. You see, there's promises, guys, that you can't get without obedience, without sacrifice. Again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about forgiveness of sin. That's all eternally paid for and done at the cross. But certain things in the kingdom, certain privileges, accesses, you see, you're not going to just sit in heaven playing a harp, guys. We're coming back to earth. You guys know that, right? We're going to come back here for 1,000 years. Jesus is going to establish, I was telling this to a, a friend of mine, a believer. He had no concept of the millennial kingdom, and it was like, poof, a whole revelation came to him. I heard this guy, a good, good preacher on the radio, but he was like, guys, don't think you've lost time. You're going to have eternity to make up time. <laughs> just surrender all. You know, we're coming back with the Lord Jesus. The Bible says Jesus physically came to earth, and he's going to physically return. And he's going to establish a throne in Jerusalem on the throne of David. And all the nations are going to gather and worship him there. You guys know that? The lion and the lamb are going to lay down together and be at peace. There's, there's going to be a kingdom for a thousand years where Jesus rules from his kingdom. From his earthly kingdom. The lion and the lamb are going to dwell together. There's going to be paradise restored. There's going to be no war for a thousand years. Anyone troubled by the war in Ukraine? There's going to be no war for a thousand years. You guys hear me? Because the king of heaven is going to rule and reign. They're going to beat their swords into plowshares. That's the prophecy. There will be no more war. There will be peace on the earth. And guess who's going to rule and reign with Jesus? Us. <laughs> We're going to come back here. For a thousand years with Jesus, the Bible says that the second coming, the angels and saints are going to return with the Lord in glory. We're going to return with the Lord in glory. We're going to reign a thousand years before eternity, before we go into the new heaven and new earth. What are you going to be doing for a thousand years, guys? Come on. This is glorious. But guess what? The little things you do in this 50, 100 years you have, it will determine how you rule and reign for that thousand. It will determine what you're going to be doing onto eternity. You see, God's going to have a kingdom, an actual physical kingdom. Right now, it's spiritual. Right now, it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Right now, it's God coming into your heart and ruling and reigning. But He's going to physically come back and rule and reign. And where you will be in that kingdom, what role you're going to have, it all depends on obedience, guys, what you do with your life. The last scripture, I'll re just read it, quote it, and then we're done. 
if you want to go quickly with me. I just wanted to let this land on you. I was going to dig into it, but I'll just let the Word of God speak and we'll pray out. It's called The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. Luke 9. I didn't give you the verse, sorry. Luke chapter 9. If you're watching online, follow me, and then we're going to pray over this thing and close. Luke 9, verse 57. So just go all the way to the end of the chapter. The cost of discipleship is the topic. So just go into this remembering whatever you sacrifice, whatever you lay down, whatever you give up, it's worth it. But these are some men on the opposite end of the spectrum who, unlike the disciples, they did not obey. What's interesting is you'll never know their names because they became irrelevant. You'll never hear from them again. But let this not be us in Jesus' name. So now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. He understood Jesus was Lord the King, the Messiah. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay. You sure you want to come with me? There's no hotel. There's no, there's no uh, five-star hotel rolling with me. I'm not promising you even a Motel 6. <laughs> you ain't going to have a place to lay your head. Never hear from the guy again. Then to another, sorry, then Jesus said this same thing he said to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Watch. Then he said, Jesus, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and do what? Preach the kingdom of God. And then another said, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me go and bid farewell to all who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for what? The kingdom of God. Father, we just pray. Lord, I don't want to add anything else. That's just <laughs> your word. And Lord, we humble ourselves before your word. And Lord, I want to be like the apostles and not these men who we never hear about again, whether they obeyed or not. We, we don't know, Lord, you do. But Jesus, we just want to acknowledge that you are not only the Lamb of God. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and you're the only one. But you're also the living Lord. You are the risen King. You are the King of all creation who has all power and authority in your hand. And Lord, we just want you to be our Lord and Savior. We want to follow you with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. We want to serve you with every last breath we have, Father. And Father, like the old uh, preacher Billy Sunday used to say, Father, you know, if I, if I ain't got a foot left, I'm going to punch. I'm gonna, if I ain't got a, a fist left, I'm going to bite. We're going to keep kicking forward for you, God, and for your kingdom. Whatever we have left in us, Father, maybe we just have a year left. Some of us maybe have 10 years left. But, Father, we want to give it all for your glory. We don't want to look back like the man who you just rebuked, God. So, so, so sternly you warned him that that man will not be fit for the kingdom. We don't want to be those 
who see earthly things, God, more valuable than eternal things. We don't want to be those who disobeyed you like King Saul, God. And in the end, the very thing we dishonored and disobeyed you with destroys us. Oh, Father, even my own life, I believe there are things that I need to fulfill. There's callings you've placed upon me and burdens that I need to just immediately surrender to, God. And Lord, right now, we just say yes to your voice. Right now, we just lay down everything and we leave it behind, God. Whatever would hinder, whatever would stop us, and we just say, God, have your way. You are Lord. We thank you for even welcoming us into your kingdom. We thank you that we even have peace and joy and salvation and forgiveness of sins, God. We're not even worthy of that. But we, only, we don't only get to be in your kingdom. We get to serve you, Father, with you, right alongside of you, and even return at your second coming, God. And Lord, I want to be one of those saints, God, riding on a chariot right next to you. I want to be one of those saints who comes back to this earth in glory with you. So, Father, thank you. I don't want to be the one smelling like smoke entering the kingdom. So, Lord, change our hearts. Take whatever is distracting us or whatever is hindering us out of the way, God. We prepare ye the way of the Lord. And we repent, Father. Yeah, God, we just repent right now. Maybe there's things, guys, on the internet I just want to speak this word over you guys. Maybe there's something in your mind right now or even in your heart that's just popping up. Like a relationship, a job, a dream, something you're pursuing apart from God's will for your life. My wife asked me this question this morning. She said, how are so many Christians being deceived? And I said, I waited. And I said, well, I think it's because we want things apart from God's will for our life. We want more than God has for us. And then we're easily misled. If that's you, if you're watching, if the Spirit is speaking to you, it's very simple. Just lay that thing down. Just give it up. It's not going to bring you good. It's going to destroy you like King Saul. It's not going to bring you health or happiness. It's going to bring you harm. The Lord is a God of love. He knows what's best for you. He's your creator. He's the one who made you. So let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. Let Him be Lord of your life because He's a good Father. He's a good Master. He's a merciful God. And the things He has in store for you, the Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man the good things He has for those who love Him and those who are called according to His purposes. So obey His calling and you will see the glorious things that He has for you. Obey His voice and you're going to see that His will is good and pleasing and perfect. I just want to speak over your lives. Just turn to the Lord right now. Lay those things down and receive righteousness, joy, peace. That very thing you're holding to is what's robbing you of peace. It's not going to give it to you. So, Father, right now, I thank you. I pray chains just be broken right now. I pray eyes be open right now. I pray that we will see the Amalekites running around in our own lives right now. Those things that you called us to slay a long time ago, and they're still running around, Father. I pray right now, show us 
your will, God, and let us do it. And Father, overcome, Lord, you called us to overcome. You said those who are under the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony and that we love not our lives, even unto death, those that will overcome. And so, Father, thank you for giving us strength right now to overcome. Power from the Holy Spirit, anointing. We are called by God, and therefore we've been equipped by God to do His will. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus out of the grave. There's nothing too hard for the Lord, and the Lord lives in you. There's nothing impossible for God. So we just thank you, Lord. We praise you, and we just invite you to be Lord of all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. I just have um, one thing to add. While I was sitting back there, the Lord speaking to me of this evangelist in Scotland. His name was John Knox. You ever hear of him? Well, he was such an evangelist and in love with Scotland, he said this to God. He said, he said, God, give me Scotland or I die. You know, God answered him. You know what the answer was? First die, and then I'll give you Scotland. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him take up his cross, his instrument of death, and follow me. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him take up his cross daily. Not every Sunday, daily, and follow me. So if any of you are willing to give up your life and deny yourself, you want your family to be saved, God's saying, I want you all, I want all of you. So we have to die to ourselves. And that's hard to do sometimes. So, thank you, Brett. If anyone wants to talk with, with any of us, you know, we're up front here. And, um, and for those online, you know, pick up your cross daily and follow after Jesus. God bless you all. I love you. See you next week, 10 a.m. <laughs>